Hello, welcome everybody, and what is up to another edition of Across the Pitch with myself, Dave Miller, and Mike Guerrero, just across from me, as we break down everything Philadelphia Union from the Montreal game last week to this week, well, tomorrow night's game against the San Jose Earthquakes, where an important factor, Jamiro Montero, will not be playing. But we've got so much to discuss, it has been an action-packed week, and as you guys might see from Mike's t-shirt, there might be another per- there might be a player that we might be discussing that will be of significance or importance to the game this weekend. But Mike, before we get into things, do you want to take us away with the uh, advert, uh, the um, sort of adverts and advertising for the uh, podcast? Yes. Yes, I do. Give me one second. Pull that. I forgot. I took my glasses off and I remembered I was old. So I got put them back on. <laughs> so we got <laughs> Manscaped twenty percent off plus free shipping with code ATBirds at Manscaped.com. We have Odds Jam, the number one software platform for sportsbook bandits. They use an arbitrage calculator and more, so you never lose a bet again. Sign up at OddsJam.com. Check out Statement Games at StatementGames.com uh, for free prize or fun way for uh, fantasy sports entertainment. It's free to sign up at um, and then La Train watches a uh, lotrain.com use AT birds uh, for the discount code. Um, it's a great website. They're one of our more newer sponsors. And then lastly, we have the AAT Sports Network shop. You can get aatsportsnetwork.com slash shop for all of our gear, for all the shows, shirts, mugs, cups, etc. But Dave, without further ado, take it away. Obviously, we'll kick off the show. I'm actually going a week, um, obviously, behind of what we were. Well, we are now, obviously, last Saturday evening. The Union travelled a cup across the border to Montreal, and they pulled off uh, a shot. I, I, I would say it was a shock, I think, in terms of the fact that the Union haven't won, a, well, apart from Cincinnati, the Union hadn't won a road game in 10 months. They went to Montreal and won 2-1, thanks to literally two goals in the space of three minutes. It could have been a lot different, but obviously we'll start off with the first half, and it was quite uneventful really obviously Mike you obviously didn't get to watch the game live but obviously you've seen it back but it was quite an uneventful half apart from perhaps two or three chances where obviously Carranza had one and Montreal had a couple including the goal what did you how did you feel the first half went especially in the lead up to the goal where obviously it was quite an unlucky deflection for Nathan Harriel so for one the turf was awful (laughs) I didn't like watching that field at all Um, I just I didn't look even on camera just didn't look good Uh, but Harriel, you mentioned his name, so I'll, I'll kind of segue with that. For one, I think what surprised a lot of us was the fact that Olivia Mbizo was not on the, on the start in 11. Uh, I think Jim Curtin was unsatisfied with his his error that he saw against um, Minnesota the, the week prior. And listen, we have seen coaches not hold players accountable across multiple leagues, across multiple teams. It happens all the time. You know, once you're a starter, it's hard for you to kind of get benched. Jim I guess saw enough and said, I'm making Olivier accountable and I'm holding this team to a high standard. And he put Nathan in there in their first road match of the year against a team that honestly is, you know, it's going to be fighting for a playoff spot. So hmm. I was impressed that Curtin pulled the trigger and I was very impressed with Nathan. I thought he played great. I thought the first half he got settled into it really well. Um, the goal. Yeah. It's a fluke goal. I'm not going to blame him for yeah, yeah. putting his foot there and having a tip. It, not his fault at all, in my opinion, but he looked confident. Um, I thought he looked dangerous as well at times offensively. He, he you know, he, he pressed his man well and, and even took the ball um, back on a few occasions. So I was really impressed with him. And honestly, I don't see how you, you put Olivier back out there no. against San Jose, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but what yeah, have yeah. your thoughts, Dave? I mean, the first half, I mean, it was I mean, up to leading up to the goal. I thought it was been pretty uneventful half. Neither yeah. team's really done much to, like, you know, assert the dominance. I mean, again, as we, as you mentioned, the pitch, the turf was atrocious. I don't know why they're playing on that sort of turf <laughs> at that high of a level of the game. Um, but it was, again, it was uneventful. You could see the pitch was causing problems to both teams. You sort of see the Union give the ball away, and then Montreal were like, okay, we've got a great opportunity here get the ball at their feet or the ball comes to them. Horrible bounce. And then they're back to square one that the union members get bodies back. And I mean, again, said Nathan put himself about well in the first half. It's not like yeah. he really, I think they were definitely trying to utilize or attack that right-hand side due to Nathan's inexperience. It's not a, yeah, they were. Mm-hmm. which I mean, it's not a knock upon Nathan. It's the fact that he's what, 19, 20 years old, he's an inexperienced fullback. And the fact that he's, uh, that's sort of the obvious thing you're going to do. It's not like he's, a, no, especially like his world-class, 
18, 19 year old that's already played for a year and a half, two years and has that experience, he's making probably his fifth or sixth start in the MLS. So again, it's no no surprise there. But again, I thought it was unlucky deflections, not much yeah. that um Andre could have done with the deflection because then the ball looped up so high. It was sort of like watching the game live, it was like, okay, that ball's just going over the crossbar and it just sort of oh, <laughs> it's just like ballooned all the way up. He thought, okay, that's just that's going over, and it's just all dropped into that bottom corner where Andre Blake was sort of looking at it like, okay, that's just gone, and it's just somehow dropped in. But I think then you obviously flip over to the second half, and again, I it was quite weird because I have to watch the uh, Union games sometimes via a, uh, gambling streaming, like gambling streaming. So they have like streamed MLS games on the gambling sites. So yeah. I had to watch the game through via that. And I had the, I believe, I'm not going to a thousand percent say it was, but I believe I had the Montreal sort of like um, stream of it. So I had their commentators. Oh, so again, gosh. when the second goal happened, <laughs> when the second goal happened, um, again, the second goal happens and it goes to VAR. Uh, what, before I move into the commentators, was it, a, do you believe it was fair to have given a foul or do you think that the referee perhaps should have uh, let things ride out? I I thought it was a bit I mean I thought clearly it was a foul personally I, I see why they called back I was surprised that they did because personally yeah. I've, we've seen the union get stung by the VAR before by VAR before um I, I mean Elliot saw right away he he was as soon as that ball went in he's like no 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 like you know there was a foul there was a foul so credit to yeah. him for seeing that maybe that helped you know spark the whole thing but I I was surprised I actually thought they should have gotten it and it just kind of like a bad turn of events for them really they would have definitely put the game away at that point I think again I agree I think that goal was the entire sequence around that goal from it going in to being disallowed I think just completely turned the complexion of the game it gave yes. you in that the energy boost like okay we're still in this game we can still get something out of this whereas I want you to probably in the head thinking oh, for, for god's sake how how is this only one <laughs> we literally had the game dead and buried and we're back level yeah. and again I think it was a foul I think anywhere else I mean if it leads to anything else, I believe it should it would be a free kick. I think mm-hmm. if it happens inside the penalty area, it's probably a penalty. If it's anywhere on the pitch, it's probably a free kick. I thought it was Paul, the referee, didn't notice it upon like first watch, considering it was right in front of him. But listen to yeah. the Montreal stream, they were absolutely disgusted, saying, like, oh, it's never a free kick. It's a disgrace that this has been given as a free kick. Absolutely no chance. I was like, well, anywhere else on the pitch. And if, in fact, flip the teams and the union score from that sort of situation... Yeah, they would be. They'd probably be complaining of course. free kick. Exactly. Clearly, it, it's. I, mean, I was going to yeah, say go it's ahead, always go contentious ones where you sit there and go, "For God's sake, Graf, come on, you can't give that," because the ball was going away from Kwanzaa. But again, it's sort of there's one of those free kicks. He takes them out. It's a free kick. Um, but yeah, I think they weren't happy. But then again, fast forward. We didn't have to fast fast forward. Thirty seconds later, a bit of pinball inside the Montreal penalty area, and probably the most unlikely of goal scores. I think from that attacking six. From the field yeah. and attack, Ali Badoya with a lovely uh, like curling finesse finish with left foot into the bottom corner first time. Didn't he have the same style of goal in the MLS's back tournament? I f- could have sworn that when in the one of the first early rounds he had uh-huh. hit a left footed shot in the same manner. Somebody can remind me or have remembers only that, game that I can Ali think of. Was, was, only game I can yeah, think go. of was a DC United game. I think was that the last group stage game. I don't remember. I don't remember what it was, but I remember he had a goal in that tournament. I remember he went to the microphone and started like yelling about something. And I could have sworn it was very similar. But either way, I mean, so guys that gets taken down, I couldn't even tell if that was a foul or not. Personally, I don't think it probably was. I would have wished Daniel would have gotten up sooner, personally, but that's besides the point. I mean, Ali puts himself in position, and it's a perfect strike. I mean, it's not a powerful strike, but it's good enough to get into the right spot. It's all about placement for Ali in that position. And I thought it was, I mean, it's just a game changer, of course. You know, you have such oh, a yeah. momentum shift, you know, in that moment. So, credit for Bedoya to put him in the right no. spot. I oh, mean, no, he, he's, you know, that's why he's the captain. He steps up. I thought yeah. he had a good game overall. He had a good game. I think, no, I, think I agree. That I think he started yeah. the season well. In fact, it might have been the NYCFC game actually he scored that goal. Um, I was looking at all the um, right. group stage games now, but um, again, obviously going back to the goal, I think he did really well to keep control of that ball because you see so many yes. times that. People get a hold of that ball and they either they miss kick it or they, if you know what I mean, they miss kick it or they get too much power on it and they sky the ball over. He did perfectly to get the yeah. amount, right amount of control and power into it to be able to direct it into that bottom corner to take it away from the goalkeeper. And then we again, we just literally, you just literally have to watch the game because the matter of probably about 45, 50 seconds later, the Union were back inside Montreal territory and finishing off another another attack, but this time. 
a much more a cleaner attack, if you know what I mean, a nicer goal. I mean, Julio was, Carranza. I thought it was a beautiful goal. Yeah. No, I did. I... Yeah. Go, oh, sorry, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say, no, um, no. Mm-hmm. who? Sorry. The joy, the joy, the joy is a live stream. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but obviously Julian Carranza does great to bring that ball on, yes. bring that ball down under his control with its test, uh, chest on the move. Because you see a lot of times some players, that comes on their chest, sometimes it goes away from them, but he did brilliantly to bring that into a stride. And I think that's, mm. I mean, sort of plays like that and control control like that in positive areas is something that Union fans should be excited for and should be excited to see from a player like Julian Carranza. When obviously moving forward, when he when he plays a more prominent role in this team, obviously he's suspended. We'll discuss that in a second. But to be able to bring that under control, bring that into his path, into the direction where he wanted the ball, and then to play a lovely ball across perfectly for Gazdag just to slot into that bottom corner again, I think that was a fantastic finish. And again, it gave us a little sneak peek at the sort of technical football of Julian Carranza. Yes. Yes, I completely agree. So, I mean, for one, the, it was, I believe, Kai Wagner who set up that that um, the pass to Julian. And well-placed. I mean, the trap and, and control of it was excellent. The yeah. pass was excellent. But then, I, for me, I really was impressed by Daniel in that moment. Because you see it time and time again. You get a very difficult ball in that very tight spot, which it was. It was a very tight um, lane that he was in. And you've yeah. seen it sometimes that the first touch is too hard. The first touch from Daniel was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. He gets it on the right foot and boom, and, and puts it in the back of the net. Um, I believe it was the left foot, whatever it was. But it, it was just a really well done, and it was absolutely the nail in the coffin for Montreal because at that point yeah. – well, before the red card. But at that point, you're thinking, like, we had the game, and now we lost the game, and the union are, are flying high right there. But, so yeah, to your point, you know, the first match against Minnesota – as, as Jim Curtin alluded to, was very choppy, very up and down, didn't have a really good flow to it. Julian really couldn't get involved. This yeah. game, it was, a bit, it was a bit better overall, minus the turf, but it was good to see him settle into the, into the team and, and contribute in such an important way. And it wasn't just a fluke goal. It was something that was actually done by his talent and his skill set. It wasn't just like the Montreal goal where it was like a, you know, an own goal, basically, into yeah. the back of the net. So for his confidence, for Daniel's confidence, and even for Ali's confidence, if you want to go back to the previous goal, you saw last year after the NYCFC header that he had from Kai off Kai's right foot – in the press conference after the game, he's so emotional. He's saying, this was such an emotional goal for me. I needed this goal because he had gone so long into the year without scoring. Yeah. And I'm sure he sees us and everybody else on Twitter saying, Ali's washed up. Ali's getting old. So yeah. for these three players, Julian, Daniel, and Ali, who have question marks entering the season, to have this this run of two minutes, three minutes is huge for their confidence, in my opinion. Yeah. So I was just, <laughs> just elated for, the, for, for all three of them. Absolutely, and I think again it speaks volumes to the sort of player Ali Badoya is. He's he's eight, he's timeless in a sense. I mean, again, I think hopefully so. Last year there were callings for him to be dropped, him not to be a first team player because again he had a really poor during like this the midst like the middle between that like, sort of the first, like the game against Atlanta to the game against um, the first game against Club America. That stretch of games the Union played during the summer months, he was really poor. He wasn't very good, and I sort of feel like the summer heat maybe or. The you know the intensity, the heat, and the humidity of obviously of America during the summer is obviously a lot different in of our countries. I think he struggled with it, and I think we saw him get not a lot better, but I think he got considerably better towards the end of the season. He looked like more like the Ali Badoy that we'd seen in the MLS's back cup, mm-hmm. the Ali Badoy that we'd somewhat seen during the start of the season. And I think he started this year very well as well in comparison to how we saw him at times last year. Jim made a very big statement leading up to the season saying Joe Ali's come back is probably arguably our fittest player. He looks that's you know, great. Yeah. That's what I mean. He's come back, he's making these statements that mm-hmm. he's putting his neck on the line for Ali. It's obvious the respect they both have for each other. They both obviously have great doing uh, he obviously rates Ali Badoya so highly amongst the team and I could easily see him become the union coach when he retires or having some involvement with the franchise, which I think yeah. would be fantastic considering if he was to step right into a role, he'd know the players in the club already. But I think again, obviously, that could be a long. That could be two years down the line for all we know. Because again, he looks ageless, looks timeless at the moment, and I'm just I'm happy for him to have been able to step up and get such a big goal. And hopefully, again, as you said, for Julian Daniel again, who's received a lot of criticism, he he showed up with. And again, he's a player again towards the back end of last year once he became more acclimatized to the league, the climate of the MLS and 
America, he looks like a much better player. And he play, he took those responsibilities on Saturday. He scored a great, he scored a very good goal. And again, it's a positive. It's a positive look for the union heading forward. And the fact that do you know what they can be faced with adversity, they can go a goal down, they can have an edgy moment like an offside goal, and they can bounce back and they can quick fire hit you for a one-two punch. And I think that's a great sort of thing to look at heading forward. Yeah, no, I, I think so. Going to your your statement about about Curtin and what he said about Ali, and, and you know, all coaches will will promote their players and praise their players. But as I've said before, Curtin does not typically like to make um, extreme, I guess, compliments without any sort of you know warrant behind it. Like there's some meaning behind it. Same thing what he said with McGlynn comparing him to Harris. If Jim is saying that Ali is in his best shape of his you know of the team or whatever it might be. Take it for you know, take it for the word and and believe it because I mean we see it on the field right now. Bedoya against Montreal was an alley that we remembered before, and if he is playing great and if he's healthy and he and if he's able to be at an elite fitness, then I mean the Union really are dangerous because that was the problem last year was just that right side and how slow it was and and Olivier not being really the best overall. So um, I'm, I'm excited if Curtin's high on Bedoya this year, because we need him desperately for this, for this team to really be a contender, unless you're going to a younger player to replace him. Yeah. Um, Yeah, go ahead. So I think perhaps perhaps the rise of probably the the rise of players like Patrick Nelson, Jack McGlynn and uh, Quinn Sullivan, especially perhaps giving them sort of new life as well, more like determination to say like, look, these young bucks, these young kids, they're not as good as me. This is my role. This is my team. I'm the <laughs> captain of this team. Yeah. Right, their time, they can have their time in two, three years' time. But right now, I'm still here to lead this team. I'm still here to be sort of the, the focal point. I'm I'm the leader of this team. I'm going to be in that starting level no matter what it takes. I don't care if everyone's calling for their names. I am the guy. And I think that has perhaps inspired him, not in the sense of you know, being selfish and like, oh, these guys don't deserve it, but more in retrospect of like, oh, like this and I am... Um, I believe that I'm the captain of this team. I can, this is, do you know what I mean? Like more of a motivational point as opposed to in spite of, these are just kids, they shouldn't be here. More of, do you know what? I'm going to show that I can do this and that the fans should be calling for my name as much as they should be calling for these young, young guys who have made such an impression. Yeah, I mean, look at Jason Kelsey for the Eagles, right? It's the same kind of thing. It's someone you think, oh, he's washed up, he's retired. <clears throat> he gets back into good shape and, stays healthy and is able to contribute at a high level. So, uh, I mean, it's great. I love, I love Bedoy's the best captain uh, in Philly for sure. And I'm excited for him, but in, in terms of something that happened in the second half, Dave, and I'll let you take off with your thoughts on this. So Mikael Ua makes his debut, right? And we also say, we also saw Olivier come in with the Carranza right card. What are your thoughts on that second half and, and how all that transpired? Um, well, I mean, again, you, you're watching the game, you think, like, awesome, Uwa's on, we're potentially seeing the Union strike force for the next two, three years, yeah. or the, but the main ones the next two, three years, because for the sounds of it, from, as we've seen over the last two, three, four years, Corey Burke, no matter, no matter what, he will find a way to be on this team. That's true. But, yeah. <laughs> but in terms of, like, the starting, like, the starting two, yeah. you thought, okay, this is just the beginning, I can't wait to see these guys begin to form their partnership, where... But I won't say we're on top because I know I think the Comtes during the game seemed to convince the Union with the team on top. I mean, the game was pretty like level at that point. I think the Union sort of burst of attacking to try and score sort of died down a bit. Montreal sort of weathered the storm a bit after the second goal. But you thought, okay, this is it. I mean, this could be a great time for those two to sort of capitalize on the team that's chasing the game. We can try and catch them out in with runs in behind. And we saw that from Uar. After the red card, I mean, Julian had been booked beforehand. I thought it was a bit of a harsh first yellow card, yeah. But the second one, and then to book in so shortly after again, I thought it was quite harsh. But I think both were fouls. I, I think when you're on a yellow card, as a from a managerial perspective, you can't. Perhaps he should have realised that maybe he should have passed on the message to sort of be a bit more um, passive. But again, at that point as well, as a as a player, you somewhat know you're walking a very tight rope. Took a bit of fouls around that sort of area of the pitch, you're always walking a fine line and it was a frustrating thing to see. But I mean, mm-hmm. again, it's it's something we haven't really seen from the Union strikers in recent years. They're willing to get involved. They're willing to get stuck in. They're willing to put their foot in, win the ball and try and help us get high at the pitch. I mean, we didn't always see it from Casper. We, we haven't seen it always from Corey or Sergio. I mean, if Sergio was, Sergio, 
well, we've seen it from Sergio, but Sergio somewhat takes away the convincingness of the, what he does because he then flops <laughs> down on the floor right to nothing to shot. And it's sort of like, well, he's still got the ball, Sergio, so I don't know what he's done to you to make you do that. But I think it's just, it, it was refreshing, but it was frustrating as well because as a player, you need to know where the line is and you need to not to commit stupid fouls. Mm-hmm. Again, he'll only learn from that. I think Jim, is, Jim knows that he'll only learn from that. But I think from your perspective, how did you view the red card? Because I think at that point in the match, it was a very key point because that sort of, that was a period where the union could have certainly turned the heat up a bit and tried to kill, could have tried to kill the game off. I kind okay. So I guess I think the big picture here, I kind of liked it. I kind of liked that it happened. Not, I don't, not that I agree with it happening, but I think I liked that they are tested that way early. You know, yeah. you have yourself, you know, yes, you're leading, but you're also now down a man. So it's good to see that they were able to hold together. Um, barely, and I'll talk about Olivier later on when we get to him. Um, but also, if you're going to be missing one player, I do prefer to have it against someone like San Jose. Not that I'm saying that San Jose can come in here and beat us or, or no. draw with us, but if you're looking for an opponent that's more inferior overall, you would rather have him be out for San Jose than, you know, whatever it might be, Montreal, for example, right? Yeah. So I am happy that it happened when it happened. Um, it's I but the only the downside was for me is that I wanted to see Mikael have a full you know team around him to see what he could do, and even with with uh, them being down a man, he still looked dangerous. I mean, he almost had a goal with what five minutes onto the field, and then he almost had a second chance later on. I thought he could have maybe cut it back to I think it was Quinn or whoever it was running yeah, down it was the left side. Quinn of the Sullivan, yeah, yeah, Quinn Sullivan. Uh, yeah, sure. Maybe he could have done it, but I, you know what? Honestly, take a shot. I love it. Take a shot. You know, you're you're there. Make an impact. Maybe get a goal. Um, and that's what we want our striker, who we paid a lot of money for, to do to yeah. go out there and score and try his best to score. So, um, I believe that teams is, need to be battle tested. You saw it last year with the Union. So if you're going to get battle tested, do it early on the season. Um, I thought it was a good opportunity to see what they could do. And hey, listen, yeah. they they finished that game out and and went home with three points. No sir. I think again, right to McCall. Um, I think uh, the the first chance for me was more frustrating. The second one, I think, yeah, he should have probably squared it to Quinn because the yeah. play was there. Quinn basically had an open goal for you to pass it. But I think in that sort of situation, you're making a debut. You want to make a bang. You want to score. I think I can understand that from a striker perspective. But the first chance, you have to shoot across the goalkeeper. You have to shoot across the goalkeeper from the angle you're at. You have your best chance of scoring from shooting across the goalkeeper, and he chose to go towards the near post. Um, that was probably the most frustrating for me because he hit the side netting, didn't test the goalkeeper, he didn't yeah. force a save where if the keeper's parrying it back out, he can go straight back into Mikhail's feet and you think you can have another chance. He doesn't parry it out into another direction to the path of a union player or a dangerous position or he puts out for a corner. Um, just the fact that he hit the side netting was uh, very frustrating, I think, again. But again, that was what frustrated me because I think he has to shoot across the goalkeeper there. You have to force the keeper into a save. Yeah. And again, you're probably more likely to score from that sort of angle from where you were. But I think it was positive to see that he was able to yeah. beat an off, beat their offside trap, beat a high line as well, use his pace to get beyond the high line. You saw as soon as he got beyond their strike defenders, he was in. No one was going no one was catching him up. And I think that's probably what was most exciting. I think, okay, we can play balls over the top if we need to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, again, obviously, the Union managed to close the game out. Uh, so Jim changed it to a back five, and Olivia came on at right right ring back for a bit. And again, they closed the game out. They didn't really look too troubled. Gave away perhaps one or two decent chances, but it was what you would expect to happen against 10 men, well, with 10 men against a team on top. But again, they closed the game out. They looked defensively solid for the most part and with 10 men as well. So I think, yeah, you'll take, you'll take three points and move on to what will be a... Difficult yet interesting and perhaps high scoring a fixture and affair against San Jose tomorrow. Yeah, so um a couple things to touch on right there. I know when I was watching the game on the telecast for I think it was, you know, PHL seventeen, I know Jim announced four four one when it went to ten men. Now whether they kept in that or not, I, I couldn't really tell hundred percent. I know that there was some speculation online, like you said, the different formation, but I know when I saw Jim say four four one, that's what he went with when they went down to ten men. But yeah. Uh, the right, so you watch players' highlights all the time, right? And you, you get excited for them to come in. And you say, "Okay, great, he's got this, he got to that, whatever." Oh my god, I didn't realize how fast he was. He's really got yeah. some speed. He can really get behind a line. That 
right there, him with Sergio or even with Burke, just is so exciting because we we missed that from Casper. Casper would have not would have gotten beat by the uh, to the ball. Let's be frank. He would have had the same opportunity and just either the keeper came out and beat him or, or whoever would have beat him to the ball. So having somebody that can just put the jets on and take off is really, really exciting. Um, yeah. Could he have done a better on the shot? Sure. But regardless, if you're going to just get a teaser for next week or tomorrow, rather, uh, that's awesome. So Olivier yeah. com- comes on. Again, we see another mental lapse from Olivier, in my opinion. Uh, so there was a header that was towards the box. Um, I think it was like the 80th minute. It was closer to that, that minute. So obviously Harriel's behind him and he's in front of Harriel and the ball gets crossed into the box. And Nathan is watching his man towards the left front of him. And the ball goes over Nathan's head, gets a clear header to Blake. Thankfully it's wide left. And you can see Nathan saying to Olivier, like come in. What? And you see Olivier is watching and then he sees his man gets beat and he kind of goes too late to, to react. I personally, I mean, you might disagree, which is fine. I, I want to hear your opinion on it. For me, it seemed as if he was ball watching. It seemed as if he lost his man, which is why Nathan reacted the way he did. But it was just coincidentally another moment where on his side of the field, there was a clear shot at goal. And if imagine if that goes to the back of the net, the grief he's going to get as a result. Um, I just don't see him seeing the field next week as a result. And I, I hope that's the case because I really like what I've seen so far from Nathan in the past season and, you know, this past year so far. Um, I mean, it's difficult because, again, I think it was more of a midfielder making the run or like a, a wing-back making the run. He should be picking it up. It's the fact it's a centre-back making the run in from so deep in. I think it's one of those last-second things where you didn't notice it until it's come into the box and the ball's been yep. played. It's, it's difficult. I think it's a difficult one, again, it was easy to say, oh, for God's sake, Paizo needs to be watching that. Maybe maybe you should be watching out for the late run. But again, I think the last thing you probably expect to see when you're in those sort of situations is a guy playing in the back three and making the delayed run over the potentially over half of the pit, over half of your half to get all the way into that box. I think it was possibly an unlucky one. Uh, again, it's probably one of those things where I think, again, like, Olivier is probably one of the easier players to scapegoat. For fans, I think it was a it was a frustrating. Again, it was it was a worrying chance, but I think again, like if it was a forward player, more of a forward thinking player, of a wing back sort of player who is directly linked up to Mbazo in terms of going one to one in terms of matchups, I could understand it. But I think from a centre from having a centre back bombing up the field and coming in from delayed late run, mm-hmm. I think. If you were to flip, I think a flipping sort of the table, or someone like Jack Elliott or Jack Glesnes had made a similar run and they just somehow delayed a run and went round the back and made the run, I think we'd all be applauding it going, that's yes. absolutely, absolutely <laughs> sensational for them to have caught their defenders off guard. Or, so then again, you sort of flip the table. But looking into this game this week, I don't know how you want to start this. Do you want to start with Ilsenia or would you like to start with the press conference? Yeah, let's do this. Let's do the Elsinio first. It's a pretty quick one overall. We all knew he wasn't coming back this year, uh, but officially Elsinio has retired from the MLS and from, it seems, soccer in general. Uh, as you see, my my skill senior shirt, uh, he's provided us with great memories. Uh, the, you know, the Elsinio game back way when he's obviously been a big contributor for this team's success in terms of the supporter shield. And uh, even last year, I'm sure on the bench, unfortunately he was injured for basically the entire season, but uh, I'm sure he was a mentor to these younger players. So uh, when you think of El Sino, you think of his big smile, you think of the energy, the lightheartedness and the amazing footwork that he's been able to put together. So uh, yeah. this t- tomorrow, Saturday, they will be honoring him in some way. Um, I don't know if he ever goes to the ring of honor. I, I, I doubt it. Maybe. I mean, I he's, he probably will. I think there's popularity on the fans. Popularity. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, let's be honest. For the twenty, well, I'm losing track of years now. The year before the supporter shield, I mean, he was instant offense, the super sub across the entire league. He was unstoppable. Um, of course, the league catches up to everybody, so you know he, he ended up not being as as dangerous the following season. I know Fontana kind of stepped up in that in that big role for him off the bench, but. I mean, you think of the union, you think of the top 10 favorite players for, for the fans, and Ilsenio is probably in a lot of people's lists. Um, yeah. And he's a, he seems like a great guy. So I'm happy for him, happy for the retirement, and they will be honoring him uh, tomorrow uh, tomorrow evening. So I'm excited yeah. to see what they do for him. I think it'll be a nice sort of homecoming for him. Thank you yeah. for him. 
everything he does because again last year he was injured so often he barely played. And I think again he probably that was probably been his role anyway because I think he really slid down the depth chart this season went on anyway in terms of importance and he saw that yep. Ryzen McGlynn and you know Caxton and Quinn Sullivan and I personally for myself I never really got to again I'm, I've, I've been following the union for a few years now I've watched the occasional game but I've never really been able to see El Senio in his absolute prime you know killing teams and things such as that but not, again I haven't really seen him be at his top game I've seen him come on trying to be an impact sub but perhaps not impacting the game as he should have he scored a couple of goals when I've seen him play but again I think it probably is more more fans like yourself and people have had on like Jose who would have seen the true El Senior and what he has brought to the Philadelphia Union during his time and tenure as a player so I mean good yeah. for him I think he deserves to have that welcome and that send off oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think I'll bring up what Jim said about El Senior now because it's relevant to the conversation. He sort of said that El Senior had been around the camp this week and he was at training the other day and they sort of had you know, 20, 25 minute chats. Jim and El Senior on the touchline as they were training, just speaking about life, having a nice catch up. And Jim's excited to see what he, do, he does next. So whether it's involved with the union or involved in the sport in general, for the indications of it, it sounds like El Senior is going to take a step back from the game for a little bit and just have a break before he goes back into things. And then after once he gets back into the rhythm of things and back into the game, he's going to maybe become a scout, a coach, who knows? But Jim was sort of applauding just how big like his uh, his book of names is amongst the game in terms of players and coaches and things such as that. So it's like he's not going to be short of options, he's not going to be short of contacts of what he can potentially do. But again, I think it was high praise. And again, that, that sort of insight into like the contacts he has across the sport is a, it's a positive sort of look at the sort of player and reputation that we've seen you had in the game. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the, the stuff that we've been able to see him do with his feet and with the ball has been incredible. And yeah. uh, and I mean that, like I said, if you go on Twitter, it's been being posted around all week. The El Senio game, you know, he comes in, they're down to nothing, instant offense. He, you know, he saves the. Uh, it's it's a Montero penalty kick that's missed. He comes running oh, yeah. in. Gets the gets the goal. I mean, it was one of those moments that you'll just never forget, whether you were there or not. I mean, it's amazing. But yeah. on to the, this, this match against San Jose, uh, Dave. As you as you know, I interviewed uh, Jamin Moore a couple weeks ago. We talked about this match in particular. Yeah, our buddy Jamir Montero, as who I just mentioned, will not be playing because of his red card uh, in the previous match. But I mean, what are your thoughts, or what has Jim said in the press conference? I know you you we were on it today. So what did he kind of go into it at all uh, about San Jose? Um, I think Jim Jim's comments were again they were typical Jim Curtin comments. So you know like they're a good team. We know they'll be dangerous. You know they'll cause problems, and you know and he wants. Again, they their team that doesn't stop playing. I think we look at the first two San Jose games in the season. They've been difficult games for sure. I think again they lost three one to the Red Bulls in their opening game of the season, which obviously isn't the way you want to open the se- open the year. They've also opened up with two home games. They haven't actually played in the road yet. It's their first time on the road. But again, they lot they drew three three at the weekend, not last weekend against Columbus, despite being down to ten men after Jamiro got sent off and Columbus went took a three one lead. They came back in the last ten minutes with uh, two goals. From Francisco Calvo. So again, he's Calvo, sorry, so he's gonna be a player that we perhaps need to look out for. But again, San Jose and no mugs. Jim was very complimentary of them, saying their team doesn't give up until like the last minute. Like they'll continue trying to create chances. They'll continue trying to press open, like force that door open. But again, that can also work as a detriment to them because they keep trying to force that door open, they keep trying to score goals and create chances. You can leave yourself exposed at the other end, and that's sort of where this team can Take advantage of, you know what I mean? Yes, I do. Um, like I said, as I spoke with Jamin Moore, he mentioned that the Jamiro Montero signing raised the floor of the team. Um, of course, he's not going to be there this weekend. But nah. with that said, um, there is expectations for San Jose to compete for at least a playoff spot in some way. I think that the franchise has had a busy offseason, and they yeah. want to come back with a retooled roster to, and really give um, – them a chance to at least hit that final spot. So I, I, the weather is also going to be 
difficult tomorrow. I mean, there's chances it's yeah. going to be raining all day. There's going to be Ooh. some chance of snow in certain parts of Pennsylvania. Okay. The, the, some people were worried that the game was going to get postponed till Sunday. I, I doubt oh. that happens. It's going to be played tomorrow. So, so the one those hor- horrific uh, uh, rainstorms that delayed the game last year. I think. Yeah, DC United. I was, I was there. DC United game. <laughs> well, they delayed the game by like three hours and then played it like. God knows when, like six o'clock, like three a.m. in the morning, wherever it was, and just played f- three minutes of stoppage time, and they couldn't just finish the game early. Um, as long as nothing like that happens, I mean, did. what's up, Adam? I see you uh, comment. Thanks for chiming in. Um, yeah, so Dave, I, I think that's one of my biggest concerns is the weather, um, and I'm also going to kind of segue into the the. the uh, actually, you know, before I get into the sports book side of things, anything else from the presser that you want to share about that Jim Curtin had to share? Uh, it was quite a, how do I put it? It was quite a uneventful Jim Curtin press conference. Again, it wasn't much said. He said a couple of things about Mikelua, but again, it was just a general, it was a quick, you know, complimentary things about Mikelua and what he brings to the team. Um, you know, there wasn't really a lot that was said or. Um, that would make you sort of think, oh, okay, they're going to be a strong team or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, not a strong team. I don't know how to explain it. Like, don't, don't think there's going to be anything expected. There was no sort of team news. I mean, Jim did highlight the Nathan Harrier thing, and it was sort of, you know, obviously we bring Nathan in because Olivier wasn't playing well, but it's not just an indictment. Olivier, you know, calling him out, it was a message to the whole team and sort of right. saying, you don't step up, you don't play to your best, you will be dropped. But then he went on to also discuss how he doesn't like to change his back format. So again, that was quite difficult for him. But I'm interested to see how much he follows through that approach because we've seen on a couple of times this year already that Jekyll Glasnes has had a few very sloppy moments in games <sighs> where he's where he's been very fortunate to not give up goals. Yeah. And I've been wondering wonder whether he will be willing to pull that trigger and bring in Stuart Finley in for Jacob in the game or two and see how him and Jack Elliott play together. Cause I think that might be, it'd be an interesting sort of partnership between the two. So again, I think that's an interesting thing that we won't, but we will be looking out for in the future, whether Jim takes all everything, but seriously, if you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's a fine line that he's walking. Um, and this is a dangerous, you know, area for a coach to be in. You, you said you basically make an example of a player, which is what he did. I mean, Olivia got extended. He, he, is the foreseeable right back for this team up until Nathan takes over. So yeah. he's, he basically said the precedent that it doesn't matter how much money you're making. It doesn't matter if we extend you or not. It doesn't matter if you're who you are, you will be benched if a benching is needed, which kind of puts into question last year with Ali Bedoya, because I thought maybe that was, could have been called for, but I don't think he's going to bench the captain. No. But now I, I think you're spot on Glessness. I love Jacob. Don't get me wrong. He does have a few moments where he's a bit careless. We saw it with the um, Matt Freese game, right, when he gets gives the, yeah. the, the bad pass behind him. He's had a couple Chesters that were a bit iffy to Blake that, that could have been done better. So he's had his moments where he's been iffy. Yeah. But overall, Jacob is a crucial part of this team. I don't think he's going to pull the trigger unless it's something very glaring. And also with Jacob, it's, it's not consistent. There's many times where he plays great. Olivier, unfortunately, has these – little bit of mental lapses too often and i think that's the biggest issue it's it's a reoccurring thing at least jacob overall has been a solid player from from beginning to end Um, as i said i sort of feel like jacob has been very fortunate that his mistakes haven't led to goals or big things spot because um i feel like if there were moments where the goals if he, moment his moments of lapses of judgment or his moments of his mistakes have led to two goals, and again, I think we're having a very different conversation with Jackie Gladstone right now. So I think he's got very lucky mm-hmm. in that uh, respect. But again, I think you know the importance of Jacob has to his team and the fan base, how much I love him. I think that you know, I, they love him more for what he that he's done on the attacking end. Like this might be an unpopular opinion, I feel like they love him and support him more for what he's done on the attacking end in terms of scoring long range screamers as opposed to what he offers defensively. I don't know if you'll agree with that or not, but that's sort of my opinion of it. I agree. I think when you look at the two center backs, they are very much um, not opposites, but they kind of balance each other well. J- Jack yeah. Elliott is much more of the defensive 
player. He has improved his offense game. Jacob is much more of the offensive player with a strong defensive game. So they bounce each other well, which is why I said earlier in the season before the year kicked off is that if Jack Elliott becomes Jacob-esque in his offensive attack, oh my God, this team could be so dangerous yeah. in the attack. Um but yes, you're right. And that's, and that's, you know, that's Curtin's problem now to figure out, you know, how long does he have leashes for certain players to bench them or to, or to do that. But again, you know what, they're, they're all the pressure is on Jim to win a championship this year. People are no, fed up with not making it far enough, not getting the trophy. So, you know, I give him credit for doing a, a daring move and benching his starter and, mm. and let's see how well Nathan does. And maybe this is Nathan's time to shine. Maybe he comes in there and finally yeah. takes it from, uh, from Olivier. No, and, sorry. And so be it. And guess what? If that's the case and you have solid depth behind Nathan, and and, and so be it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, go ahead on, on any other thoughts. I mean, obviously, I was just looking through this sort of San Jose lineups that they've used over the last couple of games. Mm-hmm. Jamiro started up front in the fir- their first game of the year. Mm-hmm. He actually started as their main striker. Really? <laughs> wow. I All didn't know that. Second, but one of the most advanced players. So, again, I mean, that's an interesting sort of way. Perhaps they're playing... The, and how they approach games. Maybe they play with a false 10, maybe. I, again, that would be an interesting thing to look at because, again, he's out injured. No, he's out suspended. Sorry, now injured. Out yeah. suspended. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll have yeah. to see what they do. But, okay, so I'm going to segue into the next part of things as we wrap up the show within the next five or 10 minutes. So, Dave, of course, we love gambling. We're all, we always talk about what the sports books have to offer. I'm a bit surprised with this line. I really am. Philadelphia Union at home are minus 220 on the money line, plus 500 for San Jose on the away money line, and then a draw is plus 310. Yeah. The over-under on the goals looks like it's hovering around two and a half goals as the more popular bet. The over-under for two and a half goals is minus 120. I, I don't know. This one, this one feels kind of weird. This is one game that – and I want to give you more so just not even from a soccer perspective, from a gambling perspective. You have a lot of elements with the outdoors that are going to cause, or a lot of variables with the outdoors that may be, push this game in a different direction. Um, yeah, I would watch the weather all morning, see how the field is, see how the players are during warmups. If you're at the stadium, if you're if you're watching the game beforehand, the pregame, see this game. I think there is some value on the draw at plus three one a three ten yeah. because of the conditions. You don't know if maybe. The Union aren't going to be able to get any good shots on net, or no. it could be a shootout, and it could be a two-two affair. I mean, I might do a bit on the plus three ten with an over under one and a half, and see what that gives me. Um, but I, the Union favored minus two twenty this early on in the season when they haven't won a game yet, or when they haven't won a home game yet, gives me some concern. Um, but potential oh, yeah, trap game. Yes, but, because you have NYC of NYC FC yeah. next too. However, I think. The stature of San Jose in comparison to Philadelphia and, again, the travel and where the gains are, etc. I think that's sort of where perhaps the Union come in as big favourites because, again, they are, on paper, they're probably a much stronger team than San Jose. They're much, they've got a much more, they've got a better reputation in comparison to San Jose. Yeah. So, again, I think that might be where it comes from. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's like the same thing with baseball. The Yankees and the Dodgers always get these massive money lines, even though they don't deserve it sometimes because yeah. they are the Yankees and the Dodgers and the books know that they're going to bet them regardless. So I get it. I mean, I understand why they're making it. It's just a little high. I would not put the juice down for the union money line at all, but it is what it is. Now, in terms of the goal scores, can I just say last week I said 2-1 as the winner, I believe, maybe, and I think I got it. So I'm just going to put so, myself yeah. out there. If that's the case, I'll, I'll correct myself later if I uh, when I watch the old replay. But the most likely goal scorer is Sergio Santos. I'm sorry, read the wrong line. The anytime goal scorer for most likely goal scorer is Mikael Ua, plus 165. Corey Burke, plus 165. Santos, the same line. Quinn Sullivan, 220. Paxson, 220. Um, you got a lot of... Um, Union players at the top of this table. The first San Jose player doesn't hit it till two, four, six, seven, eighth. Now, ninth person on this list is Jeremy Ibobise, uh, plus four ten. Brandon Craig has yeah. a more likely chance of score according to, according to to FanDuel Crikey. over over Jeremy. So, yeah, if you're looking to bet this game, I think the Mika Ua plus one sixty five is a, is a solid bet. You know, he looks dangerous. Line, yeah. It's a big line, but. On to you. What is the formation looking like for you? Who do you think makes a start in 11? Uh, 
I think he'll probably make one change to the team that won last Saturday. He'll probably be Uar in for Carranza and he'll try and burn uh, San Jose for the pay for that, but with their pace and their sort of their very quick, their very quick attacking line. And I th- again, I'm hopeful that we see a lot from players like Daniel Garstag. And you know, Leon, I thought Liam Flight did all right in the game against um, yeah. Montreal. He got stuck in. Ali Badoy again offered some stuff in attacking position. So again, I think if we could, if the Union can win the game, and I'm sorry, just looking through the uh, sports book here in the UK, I want to see who's the most likely goal scorer here. Corey Burke, Sergio Santos, and Mikel Ua are all joint favourites to be the first goal scorers in the game. And then for them, it's Javier Lopez in the UK and Benji Kakanovic are their sort of main players. But again, it's, you don't, they're not, they're less, Jesus Bueno, uh, bueno is more likely to score contra the bookmakers than either of uh, either the favourite uh, San Jose players. So again, the bookmakers are very, very, very much favouring the Union and they're very, very much believing that they're going to run right, potentially run right or cause a rout on their opponents tomorrow night, which again, you don't want to get too far ahead yourself. You want to acknowledge it'll be a tough test because every game, every single game is always a bit of a tough test, especially in the early part of the season. Yeah. And that's the thing. The books, the books are smarter than we are. So they yeah. might know something we do. Maybe they're trying to get the people to bet against, you know, against San Jose. They kind of profit that way. Um, it's yeah. just an interesting, it's a very, very heavy union lineup that we're seeing on the sports books, which sometimes makes me nervous. Like for example, Duke, uh, against Syracuse, Syracuse is their best player for suspension, and Lily, everyone and their mothers is on Duke at the at the spread. It was minus eleven. The, the line opened up. It closed at like minus fifteen and a half, and Syracuse covered no problem. So it's yeah. one of those things where when everybody bets it, sometimes you have to be careful. Don't just go yeah. with the crowd. Um, the cover. Yeah, Lying exactly. Cover there. Yeah, if anything, you'll look smart if you take the uh, the the underdog and they end up. They end up covering, but yeah. in terms of the uh, formation, I agree with you. I think you're going to see Burke and uh, Mikael. I think for the rest of the season, it's going to be Carranza and Burke kind of going battling for that second starter position. I think Santos is on the bench for good. I think that's where he's best suited. I think health wise, I think he he will stay healthier longer if he's off the bench. And honestly, having that replacement of speed and power um, at the 60th minute, at the 65th minute is so important when these teams are tired and, and coming down the stretch of a game. So uh, I think I like the lineup that you're, you're putting down. And uh, yeah, I mean, who do you think – I asked you this last week too. You know, prediction of the score, who do you think scores, and who do you want to see have the, you know their, their best performance or, or who are you looking to watch tomorrow? I'm going – I'm going confident here. I might come up to bite me, but I think 3-0 Union. I think Uar grabs a brace on his uh, union debut. What? <laughs> okay, Dave. All right, I like it. Go well, ahead. I, keep going. I understand. This is just the sort of game that union sort of break out in and pull off a big win. I think we saw it last year against their only Western Conference home game. I think that's Portland. They end up arguably having their most convincing win of the year and like a three or four nil win. I think they could do the same tomorrow against a much weaker opponent than Portland. Um, again, they're still going to be a difficult task, so a difficult team to play against. But if you look at the record they've had defensively this year, they conceded three goals at home in both of their games. Who's to say their fortunes are going to be better on the road against arguably a much better team than the Red Bulls and Columbus Crew. So I think I've got confidence that the Union could go in there. And Dave, I like it. You want to hear the, the line? You want to hear the line on that that number? If the Union score a correct score of three nothing, and then Mikael Ua scores two or more goals, it is a plus eight thousand six hundred sixty nine, which means a two dollar bet will get you one hundred and seventy three dollars. So if you're feeling lucky tomorrow, I'm doing. I'm placing the bet. Yeah. I'm done with. I'm going with Dave Miller's better than night. That's it. The lock of the week is. You don't. You don't take my gambling advice. <laughs> Uh, I'm doing it. You know, this was fun. That's, that's a good thing. I bet yeah. on every union game, so please don't take my bets completely seriously. Um, but no, I, I agree. Of, there's yeah, a lot no, of bias I, involved. Yes, exactly. There's all the bias. I just like having fun in these games. Um, yeah. No, I think I think uh, you want to see a 2 nothing win, a 3 nothing win. I want to see a shutout. I want to see a big win. The elements worry me that some sort of freak goal is going to happen because it could yeah. happen. happened last week. It happens all the time. It's soccer. You know, we, we expect that. But yeah, I want to see a big win. Um, I know you're yeah. saying Ua with two goals. I think he gets at least one goal, 
And I honestly, I, I want to see Gaz that get another. I want to see him get another bit of a run and put it together. Yeah. And uh, and with the player that I'm focusing on the most tomorrow is Jose Martinez. I know everybody's going to be talking about Nathan Harriel and Leon Flock, but I want to see Jose do what he did against Minnesota again. I want to cool. see that Absolutely. same. I want to see that energy. I want to see that chaos, especially on a sloppy field. I want to see him wreak havoc all day long. I think Jose Martinez could be the union's most important player by the end of the year. Um, that's yeah. how that's how good he looked against Minnesota. So uh, I'll go I'll go two nothing. A little bit more modest than my buddy Dave. Yeah. I'll go Mikael Uel one goal, and I'll go with uh, Daniel Gaz that gets his yeah. second goal of the season. Um, but uh, any any other thoughts, Dave? Before we kind of um... close it up. Yeah, so that's it for me. I think we covered sort of all bases. I think we both got a not a massive cop, we're not massively confident, overconfident. I think we're both confident in what the union can pull off tomorrow. And I think we're both hoping that you know they can reward our confidence. Yeah, I, I think so. I think I think the, sh- the fans should be confident. You're at home against an inferior opponent, you know, you want to see a good outing, um, even against the elements, you want to see them to go out there and take care of business. If you want to bet my bet. A two nothing correct score. Mikael Ua and Daniel Gazag plus ten thousand four hundred fifty eight. A two dollar bet will give you two hundred nine bucks. Quite a lovely dinner out with you and your and your significant other if you choose to. So I want to do it as well. Might as well have some fun with this and hope we win some big money. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I'm confident, and uh, we're gonna wrap the show up. Uh, yeah. So tomorrow night, seven seven o'clock, seven thirty. Dave, I'm sorry. Yeah, seven thirty. Seven thirty tomorrow night. The Union host San Jose. Earthquakes at 7.30 p.m. at Chester. It's going to be a sloppy one, so dress warm, dress comfy. Uh, if you're going there, I will be on the match tomorrow night with the Twitter live feed, Emberer1323 right here. Dave Miller will also be – are you going to be watching the game, Dave? I know it's late for you. Yeah, I'll be watching the game. Yeah, be, okay. so. so Dave will be jumping in, and then after the game – Press conference again, Dave GFC Miller. I suck with these arrow pointing, and then my follow. Yeah, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so yeah, tomorrow night. Uh, follow us on Twitter and, uh, you know, go Union. Go Union. Dude.